It is the Ringer NFL Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Kevin Clark. Great show today. We start by reacting to the big trade, Matthew Stafford to the Rams, Jared Goff to the Lions. Danny Kelly, Danny Heifetz, and Noah Princiati join me. And then we talk about the Super Bowl and give our first impressions of the matchup between the Chiefs and the Bucks. What to look for as we plan our flag for the week ahead, where we're going to have a bunch of great pods on this feed. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer availability and eligibility may vary. This episode is brought to you by Viore. If you're sick and tired of your old traditional workout gear, then I have two words that will change everything. Viore clothing. This line of active wear is truly unbelievable. And here's why. Look, you've seen me. You've seen the shorts I do on YouTube. I walk around. I do stuff. I listen to podcasts when I walk. I make calls when I walk. I like to wear comfortable workout equipment, you know, like nothing nuts. Just like a really nice pullover, comfortable pants to walk around. Viore is designed to work out in whatever you're doing, but it doesn't look or feel like you're working out at all. It's so freaking soft and comfortable. You'll never want to take it off. And here's the best part. You don't have to take it off. Wear Viore clothing to train, travel, or lounge around the house. I do a lot of lounge around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viore.com slash ringer. V-U-O-R-I.com. Slash ringer. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. It is the Ringer NFL Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Kevin Clark. The Robin Hood app couldn't stop this risky trade. Danny Kelly, Danny Heifetz, Nor Prince Yachty are here to break down. Matthew Stafford to the Rams, Jared Goff to the Lions. Uh, two first round picks going to Detroit. Uh, Jared Goff's contract going to Detroit. A third rounder is also going to Detroit. Uh, this is one of the biggest trades in years. Uh, there's a lot to discuss. What's going on, guys? Working on my gamma short squeeze. That Robin Hood joke. <laughs> short squeeze? Well, I was just saying, I, I, I was thinking about that or the fact that if these hedge fund managers wanted to get out of these bad positions, they could just attach a first round pick because no one thought that you could get out of Jared Goff's <laughs> contract and, and look at where we are now. Um, all right, we're going to start big picture. Shorting GameStop is signing Jared Goff. Absolutely. And again, they, just like the Jared Goff deal, everything made sense at the time, but sometimes you change with the information. Um, all right, there's a lot to get to, and I think this is one of those trades that says a lot about both teams. It says a lot about the league in general. It says maybe something about Deshaun Watson and, and that market, and just the quarterback market in general, which we'll get to a little bit later in the show. Uh, but I want to start with you, Nora. When you heard about this trade, you thought what? I thought that... The Rams just continually go for it, right? Like this is so on brand for them. And they've been doing this dance with Goff for most of the season where it seems pretty clear that if you gave Sean McVay true serum and and effectively being in a do or die moment with this trade is the equivalent of doing that, it seems like he felt that Goff was indeed holding them back and limiting their ceiling. And we know that I think we can say pretty safely that the Rams value first round picks less than basically any other team in the league. I believe they less than anything in the world. They could not, they would, I think that they would throw first round picks in the trash can if they weren't able to get rid of them. Like they just, they look at a first round pick and they just laugh. They laugh at it. And so I think they will be going from um, 2016 when Goff was their pick to 2024 yes. without making a first round pick unless they trade wow. back up. So that's the Trump administration all, and the Biden administration. Yep. <laughs> yep. That's, that's it. Just crazy. They're going to go seven straight years with that one. It is absolutely wild. Their ability to, to swing for the fences and find ways to go all in. Even if you think they're already all in, I mean, like that's the funny thing about the Rams in general. I'm going to get to this, but I, w- when I think about the fact that three years ago, we were saying, wow, they're all in it's, it's boom or bust. It's make or break. And then they're just like, eh, we'll just keep doing that. They um, are actually perpetually all in. Yes, they are. It, it is actually argues against the fact they've ever been all in. It's just, they're all in all the time. Danny Heifetz talk radio question. <laughs> Who won the trade or did both teams win it? Everyone won the trade. I mean, Matt Stafford won the trade. Matt Stafford doesn't play for Detroit anymore. 
the <laughs> you know the Lions won the trade because they had twelve offers or whatever and took this one, so obviously it was the best one. The Rams won the trade because I don't care about the money and other stuff, the picks, whatever. I get it. They have a better quarterback. It's the most important position in sports. The quarterback's better. They won the trade. The only person who lost here, you could argue, is Jared Goff. I don't care. He's getting a hundred billion dollars. He's not a loser here. Like yeah. this is just a little Don, for little Don Draper. That's what the money's for. Yeah, situation here. <laughs> precisely. <laughs> uh, Danny Kelly, scheme wise. Okay, let's just yeah. focus. I don't. I don't want to focus on Dan Campbell, Anthony Lynn, and Jared Goff here. I, I think we can put that aside here for a second. We know where that franchise is going the next couple of years. Okay. Matthew Stafford and McVay's offense is the big thing here because the only way the Rams can get to the Super Bowl and the real Super Bowl contention, and this is why they made the trade, is a vast improvement at quarterback. We know Stafford is at least capable of that. McVay identified Stafford as the guy he wanted, if you listen to, to Peter Schrager and some of these other reporters. So I guess the big picture question now is how does he work in that scheme? And mm-hmm. is it going to be effective enough to get them with that roster, with the stars and scrub strategy? You guys are on the fantasy pod. You understand it. Um, is <laughs> it a, going to be effective enough for them to get into real Super Bowl contention? And what, what think so. keys are there in that offense? So the, to me, the big thing is the vertical game, which completely yeah. left the Rams offense, especially down the stretch this last season. I mean, if you look at one of Jared Goff's, uh, scatter charts, you know, the next gen stats do the, the scatter charts where all the passes are. There was one game towards the end of the season. I can't remember off the top of my head which one it was, but it was literally nothing was like past five yards downfield. It was all they were scheming. McVeigh was scheming up everything just to get the ball out of his hands. They did not trust him to do anything whatsoever down the field. And so to me, that's the big thing. And in, in, in the heyday, when Goff and McVeigh were working well together in 2017, 2018, um, the what made that defense so or what that made that offense so dangerous is they ha- you had to defend every like inch of the field. They could go mm-hmm. horizontal really, really well, but they could also push the ball deep really well. Um, it just made things very, very difficult. You had that balance where you're able to run the wide zone game, then throw off play action down the field. If you look at some of the stats, and I pulled up a few stats from PFF, um, deep passing 20 plus yards last season. Stafford had 13 touchdowns to six picks. Goff had four touchdowns to six interceptions. Um, so obviously Goff, his, his vertical passing had just fallen off a cliff. Yeah. Matt Stafford, uh, 2019 and 2020, he averaged 10.7 yards per average depth of target, which is second among quarterbacks. So he he is, even on these bad teams with the Lions, like a vertical, aggressive downfield thrower. Jared Goff, average depth of target in the same time span was 7.5 yards, which is 29th out of 32. So what you're getting, what what the Rams are getting in Stafford is someone who will push the ball downfield. I think that's going to really open up not only their deep passing game, their play action deep passing game, but also open up their run game. Because I think at his heart, in his heart, like McVay wants to run the ball. And if you get, like, if all you can do is these screens and like five yard passes, that really hinders your ability because defenses just come down. They don't respect, you know, the deep pass anymore. So I think Stafford has the ability to unlock that part of the offense. And I think that's why Goff and McVay fell out so fast, so quickly. It's just <laughs> he couldn't do the the vertical element of the offense, even the intermediate part of the offense. I actually, I saw this from Sharp Football Stats. Stafford ranked first in EPA on intermediate throws. Um, eleven to, uh, That is 11 to 19 air yards last year. Goff was 22nd. Mm-hmm. So... That's a big difference, both short or both intermediate and deep. And you could hear it from McVeigh too over the course of the season because yes. he's usually pretty good at keeping all of that stuff under wraps. But there are a few moments where some of his frustration seemed to creep to the surface. And I think the two things were in so Goff has had 38 turnovers in 31 games. That seems to really <laughs> be rubbing McVeigh the wrong way. And then the other thing was the yeah. inability to call and to design longer developing plays they lost that explosive component of their offense. And I think having a quarterback like Stafford, as Danny just did such a good job explaining, replacing Goff with someone who is better down the field, hopefully opens all of that up. Now that's obviously the gamble that they're making is that not only will that happen, it'll happen to an extent that they could potentially make up for some variance, some regression on their defense and extend this potential Super Bowl window because I think probably they're looking at this year's team and saying, okay, if we have Jared Goff playing quarterback here and we can't force opponents to defend, you know, every blade of grass, then this is kind of our ceiling. And 
I think there's a lot of logic in that. But part of the value judgment that they're making when they trade away, trade away the first round picks that they still have to trade away is that those are going to be, you know, picks in the 20s. And yeah. I, I would guess that they're right in that. The only thing is, it's really risky because if, it's, if they're not, Mm-hmm. then all of a sudden the value that they're giving up is a lot more significant. Like I think one of the reasons that they've been so, you know, seemed so willing to part with those first round picks is because I bet they look at them and they think, okay, a low first or a high second, we're a pretty stable franchise. We've got a pretty good coaching infrastructure. We can develop those guys and get fairly similar value out of them that changes when you're talking about like top half of the first round selection yeah so if they are right about how possible it is for them to keep the window open then probably they get what they want out of this and they end up feeling like you know what this is just how we do things and that was what it took not just to get the player but to get the contract and they, they still, I think it's, it's 20 ish million in, in dead money that they're going to have to deal with. So it's not like they get out of Goff's contract hundred percent scot-free, but so much of how this ends up being viewed a couple of years down the line has to do with whether or not they are judging their window appropriately, I think. Well, it's interesting to me because, first of all, as you said, the dead cap charge is around 22, and that with Brandon Cooks are two of the biggest charges in NFL history uh, for dead cap. So they're obviously, again, not only are they laughing in the face of first round picks, they're laughing in the face of the salary cap. And Les Snead and I, we've talked about this a handful of times, where basically like they make football decisions first and salary cap decisions second. And Les Snead has said that, has told me, you know, there, there were times where he remembers, oh, we got to get rid of this guy because of the money. And now it's, we got to get rid of this guy because of some quote unquote football strategic decision and then the money can be worked out right the cap can be an illusion even in a year where that's not supposed to be true like it is it's just always going to be true and it's interesting nor you said that they want to extend the super bowl window i actually think that they didn't have a super bowl window until today or last night right like i i actually think that they if you looked at this rams team this year did you see a super bowl team because i certainly didn't and well, now no, that, i think there's at least I'm a saying, pathway I no i know what you mean at- i know it they look at this year's team and think, you know what, we we milked pretty much as as much as was there out of this. Yeah. They've opened a window. They've opened a window. And obviously, if you look at Goff, who essentially was was not much better than Wolford at the end of this thing, or if you listen to some reporters, maybe even a little bit worse. I mean, Jason Lockton Ford basically said this was a salary dump because Wolford had outplayed had outplayed Goff. Um, I just think that this is this is something they had to do. I know that taking a big swing like this seems like it's aggressive, but it's not. I mean, it's like the next step. It's the only path forward for them to win a Super Bowl with their current roster construction. They're not going to get a ton of draft capital. They're not going to get a ton of cap space. So this was the only thing they can do. I talked to Kevin Demoff about this at the Super Bowl two years ago, and he basically said, listen, there's this fascination with either tanking or accumulating all this draft capital or accumulating all this cap space or whatever. And what there isn't, and it's one thing they want to do is they want to raise their hand and say, Hey, this is happening faster than we thought. We're we're just going to deal with this window. And I think them, I I, I know this is, they take life a quarter mile at a time. Okay. Like that's what the Rams do. (laughs) That's their organizational philosophy. And I don't think they're going to back off it. And I think that the more they've done this, the more they've traded for Jalen Ramsey, the more they've obviously they've, they've paid Aaron Donald a lot of money. Um, they gave got that contract, which we can talk about in a second, but they are, they have to be the only way for them to keep going is to shoot their way. Life out, in okay? the fast they've got lane. this roster life in the fast lane. They've got this roster. This is the only way they're going to be able to do it. This episode is brought to you by state farm from your morning podcast to your fantasy team. We know you personalize your entire day. That's why state farm helps you personalize your insurance with state farm personal price plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer, availability, and eligibility may vary. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. Nora, I want to ask you, do you think that the rest of this offseason now 
changes with the quarterback market or anything like that because of what we saw last night? Is there anybody now, would you say now maybe quarterbacks are going to go for a little pricier than you thought? Do you think that there's, you know, I think there was a, there was a report a couple of days ago that maybe 18 quarterbacks are going to change, change cities this year. <laughs> um, this kicking off the quarterback market uh, says what to you? Well, it says that that whole process is now underway, right? Like I think there was some, yeah. uh, question as to whether the first domino was going to be Stafford or potentially if somebody really wanted to take a huge initial swing at Deshaun Watson, who now seems like his situation is going to be a little bit more entrenched and and take Mm -hmm. a longer time, but just because he's the highest quality potentially available starter um, out there, you kind of wonder, okay, which, which one of these guys is going to change hands first. I think now we know that Stafford, because of the combination of his talent level and also just clarity on the fact that he was available, that was obviously the first domino and now everything goes from there. And I do think that, okay, take a team like Indianapolis that might've been in the running for Stafford. They may, because their options have now gone down by one, maybe this gives them a little bit more clarity if they want to say, go after Carson Wentz and at least, you know, take a flyer there. Whatever. This podcast just got very dark. (laughs) The Indianapolis Colts just went from maybe we'll get Matthew Stafford to maybe we'll get Carson Wentz in about five seconds. And it's not good. (laughs) Think of the Colts fans. But if you have a clear eyed assessment of your situation and know that, okay, they have a, they have a list somewhere and there's a big gap between those guys. But if Frank Reich feels like our next best option, if we didn't get Stafford is I want to see if I can make something work with Carson Wentz again, then you move on. And that's how this stuff starts to happen in in quick succession and quick succession and quick succession. I do want to point out just because we just had this conversation about the Rams living life in the fast lane the lions in some ways are kind of doing the opposite, right? Because yes, the thing is, and I hope this, I hope people sort of recalibrate how they feel about the golf contract, which has been viewed as such an albatross for so long. And it was for, for LA obviously, which is why they had to price into the trade package taking on that money. However, essentially what the lions are, are on the hook for with him it's a four-year deal worth $27 million a year. The first two years are guaranteed. But since LA is, is um, covering, some, covering the dead money, 27 is a lot. Jared Goff would not get that on the open market right now. Teddy Bridgewater got no. 21. Like, it's not. Quarterbacks are just expensive. So I don't think that this, by any means stops them from looking for looking to draft a quarterback high in the first round this year. I think they have pick number seven or in a slightly later round. And they say, okay, let's see if we can either just use golf as a bridge or try to have some sort of reclamation project going on and see if they can up his potential a little bit. Obviously Brad Holmes was um, heavily involved in drafting him when he was the Rams director of college scouting um, in LA when they chose golf. So he probably thinks pretty highly of him, but in terms of that build being fairly slow, I think this is an indication for Detroit that they could, they could do this and still take multiple swings at that position. They don't, this does not mean that they have to be like Jared Goff is our future. So I think in, in the, we're all in, we're on, all in on every, every franchise is going to take in the future. Every franchise is like 15 minutes where they're all in on Jared Goff. He'll just get passed around. <laughs> um, yeah. So the Rams will inherit two years, $43 million remaining on Stafford's contract, which is extremely manageable, um, especially for a player like Matthew Stafford. Uh, before we get to the bigger implications here, Danny Heifetz, I want to stick on, on the Rams here. Where do they rank right now for Super Bowl contenders? So Dan Orlovsky comes out. And by the way, Orlovsky, in my piece a couple of years ago, I did a profile on Stafford. One of his hypotheticals was he's, he's like, you know, I think Stafford's gotten the life sucked out of him a little bit. I think that sort of his arm, he, he still has the, the capability to make those throws where no one else can make it. But what would happen if he had a Sean McVay or a Sean Payton? And, and I, I threw that out there on, on Twitter last night, that, that little quote that he gave me, because I think that Stafford is kind of on the short list of guys who who was it was always a what if guy. You know, what if he had a Sean 
McVeigh, and now he gets it. Uh, so Orlovsky comes out today and says that the Rams are his Super Bowl favorites. I wouldn't go that far. But if you're talking about pecking order for 2021, especially in the NFC, Danny Heifetz, where do you go? I think they're really high. I don't, I, Super Bowl favorites is it, maybe that's what happens when you go to first take too much. I really love Dan Orlovsky, but Whoa! I think, no, I, he's great. Wow. That's not what I'm saying. But I like I like your point about Stafford Whoa. being. <laughs> no, I like your point about Stafford being in the right offense, because here's the deal. Jared Goff didn't make Sean McVay's life easier. That's what the money's for. That's what the big contract's for. Stafford will make Sean McVay's life easier. Sean McVay will make Max, make Matt Stafford's life easier. That's yeah. We can go on X's and O's and schemes and all this stuff. At the end of the day, that's the job. So I think, as DK was mentioning with the schemes, it'll be fun to see Stafford throwing downfield, hitting all these things, knowing what to do. Because Goff, you know, he went first overall. He's got some tools. But the reality is, he wasn't mobile. He's not a creative player. When Sean McVay's yeah. scheme failed, Jared Goff wasn't there to be like, hey, we could do this. Oh, he just ad-libbed. He's not doing what Mahomes does. He's not doing what Deshaun Watson does. He's not doing what Stafford has done for 10 years, which is, oh, everything went to hell. Okay, I made a play anyway. Jared Goff does not and has never done that. Stafford will do that. And when the Rams offense has that, I think it'll be really good. And I think Les Snead, the Rams GM, as you were talking about, Kevin, deserves a lot of credit here. He He's kind of a swashbuckling guy. I mean, he just... I think clearly just doesn't value first rounders like everything else. The, we, we said Goff's contract was getting shorted. Les Snead's actually kind of shorting first round picks, right? He's just looking at a different chart than everyone else. So I don't think it affects the quarterback market. I don't think it changes any of these other guys. I think the Rams just look at the market completely differently than every other team and what they're willing to give up. But that's also one of the reasons I think they're a Super Bowl contender because any hole they have on their roster this season, they'll make the trade. They don't give, they don't, I don't, I don't know if you allow cursing on the show, but they don't give up whatever a hoot. We, we, a hoot. they don't give a hoot. I believe we do you, allow you have a child so you know all those little <laughs> when it's warranted <laughs> it right, wasn't well, warranted it DK has a little son warranted. so he knows how to not curse now they do just just to just just so that we're operating within the the bounds of reality here they need a deep threat receiver it's not just that it is primarily the quarterback in terms of why they lost a lot of their explosive playability but like I, I really hate that I'm about to tie this to the post Brandon Cooks era in Los Angeles, but <laughs> they could use a receiver that can stretch the field too. Yeah, you can get one of those though. That's yes, the, it's easier than that, getting Stafford. Look, swashbuckling less need is probably going to go out and do it. And if it takes six first round picks, then you know that's just the price of doing business. If you're swashbuckling less need, it just I just don't want to paint Matthew Stafford is a very good quarterback, but I don't want to paint him as like savior fixer of every single problem yeah but kevin i'm curious well first of all that's a good point but the thing i'm wondering here and kevin i'm curious what you think what do you make of the rams giving up seven consecutive first round picks like do you think that the, like here's the thing they're either is, is it like every there's a thousand ways to skin a cat or is someone right yeah. and some like are the rams what, what are the odds that they're right and the other 31 teams are other than maybe the patriots are all wrong and the first rounders are overrated so there's a couple things here. Number one is that most of these, especially in the past three years, most of them have been low first round picks. It's been so the last three years have been 23, 31 and 20. OK, the Patriots have made a cottage industry of trading back, as you said, and maximizing second, third round picks because they understand what that's where the value is. I think that these. I've talked to the front office there a lot about inefficiencies in the market in, in Los Angeles, not in not in New England. The, the New England front office is less chatty. You don't text uh, Bill Belichick? Everyone here knows. Um, <laughs> no, I, at different events and training camps and all that stuff, I've, I've talked to those guys. And, we, you know, they they look for inefficiencies in the market just like everybody else. And I, and I remember talking to, I think it was Kevin Demoff about Robert Woods. And and I said, you know, what did you, what did you look for in Woods? Because I did not think Robert Woods was anything special when, when he came to LA. And I said, look, I mean, like, the the big thing right now is look at supporting casts and 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 really dig in and find out that Robert Woods played really well when he had good service, but he was just playing with a bunch of bad quarterbacks. And that there are hidden gems because I I come it from it from I came from it at that point in that conversation is saying like you know it's really hard to find an inefficiency or a hidden gem in the NFL where there's just a lot of smart people doing a lot of smart things. And the idea that the Eric DaCosta or Brett Veach or, or Brandon Bean aren't on something um, is, you know, it takes a lot of work in order to beat those guys. And I think that there are five, six, seven front offices where they're really good at figuring out where to 
to uh, hit in the inefficiency market. And one of those guys, excuse me, one of those ways is to trade first round picks for elite talent because you're not going to get at pick 31, pick 20, pick 23, you're not going to get an elite player. And you you do, in a lot of cases, have to pay up for those guys. Jalen Ramsey's really expensive. Uh, Matthew Stafford, relative to a first-round pick, is really expensive. But you're going to get better players. So I understand why you do it. It's an inefficiency on a team that looks for inefficiencies. And that's that's the long and the short of it. I mean, like, this is a forward-thinking organization. I remember talking to Lester a couple of years ago, and they were giving the rookies tests about how to be how to teach millennials, right? Because they <laughs> couldn't get through to them. And, and now every team does that. So they don't um, – they gave them, like, aptitude test to figure out how to, they should teach them it was wild anyway um they're just a fourth thing organization and whether it's you know figuring out that robert woods was going to be good because he was playing with bad quarterbacks or figuring out that the jalen ramsey's worth two first round picks they're going to think about this stuff they're not a perfect organization they gave todd Gurley way too much money they gave obviously in hindsight jared goff way too much money this is not a perfect organization if they did they win the super bowl every year but what i will say is they make they make more good decisions than bad. And, and you can't say that about most NFL organizations. Just, just to, to piggyback on that. Some of this stuff is really complicated and some of it's really simple, right? Like low first round picks, being willing to part with them. You can exploit a, a little inefficiency by doing that for the simple reason that a first round pick sounds more valuable than a second round pick. Is pick 32 really that much yes. more valuable than pick 33? No, it's not. But it sounds cooler well, because it's in the first round. And that sounds like <laughs> the most reductive, basic, dumb thing that everybody should have gotten over. Guess what? They haven't. They haven't. If you say just anybody, that's how the human brain works. You say that there are two <laughs> first round picks and it just sounds like a buttload of money or of value. A haul. Everybody, that was the instant reaction last night. Everybody was like, that is a haul of picks for Matt Stafford. Like, first of all, they had to attach first round pick to get rid of Goff's contract. Whatever. Anyway. I do think that, but I also think that there's a bet that is being made that has happened in the past. It's happening with the Texans right now that at some point things go south and all of a sudden you're not picking 30th or 32nd or 28th. You're picking third. Um, I mean, damn, look at the look at the Boston Celtics in in a similar situation there um, where the trades don't work out. And all of a sudden in 2023, you're picking second overall, first overall happens probably half the time in these situations um, that the the pick ends up being way better than, than we thought. Uh, I do want to thank your brand Nora on the report. Tom Curran had it a couple of minutes ago that the, uh, Matt Stafford said he would play for any team except the Patriots. The, I guess the the suggestion there is he did not want to do another Matt Patricia era. Matt Patricia's rejoined the staff. Uh, what do you think about that? And is it justified? And does it say anything broader about the Patriots other than he just didn't want to be with Matt Patricia anymore. So two things. Matt Stafford played at Georgia, plays indoors. Apparently part of it also not thrilled about the weather in, in New England, whatever. I think that's probably fair. I also think that quarterbacks who don't like snow are big giant babies and should get over it. Um, that's just my <laughs> personal opinion. I don't like snow. Uh, I think you're a big giant baby <laughs> and should get over it. We're going to get that part a is foot true. of snow in Boston on Monday. And I, for one, am incredibly excited because it will turn my neighborhood is, uh, into a winter wonderland but again neither here nor there it's 71 degrees here in beautiful st augustine florida be curious no one asked um oh. in terms of the matt patricia 2.0 era being off to just a, a, a rollicking great start um yeah man that's tough cookies i can't really say that i blame matthew stafford it didn't seem like that was a fun few years so i, I sort of doubt that that his presence is going to, in the long term, be a hugely significant factor for for free agents at large. But you also have to remember that there are two free agent receivers in Detroit, Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay, who have been routinely tied to the Patriots for trades or whatever for years at different points. And it might just be that for this one off season, there are a few guys who are going to look at the Patriots and go, "Oof, God." That guy was not fun to play for. I kind of don't want to do this again. I do think, though, that while that's fun to joke about and think about, the reason that players don't want to come to New England right now is because the roster is not very good. It's not like mm-hmm. it's it's not Matt right. Patricia. It's like a little bit Matt Patricia, but it's not entirely Matt Patricia. Also, I, nobody I wants to and replace just, Tom Brady. Well, technically, well, the, they're replacing, the, the, Cam, replacing Newton. Cam Newton. 
stinks. Yeah, but oh, let's be real here. He's not replacing Cam Newton. He's still Stafford replacing Brady. Yeah, but you can't. What, that, but how long does that go for? Like, can we indefinitely? Do, some, he's not <laughs> replacing. He's literally better. not replacing Tom Brady. <laughs> Um, I will say that I think that this is just a tough break for the Patriots in so much. Like, I don't think Matt Patricia is going to keep a bunch of people away. I think he's just going to keep Matt Stafford away. And the fact that he was available, if the, if the Patriots were going to part with the I think he also capital, might keep Marvin Jones away. Okay. Well, that's fine. Listen, I wouldn't want Matt, Staff, Matt Patricia on my staff, just kind of a general, but I think that they know what he brings. You know, just don't just let him do, do whatever he's good at and things will be fine. He brought um, their research guy. The Patriots anyway. Evan Rothstein. There. Oh, there we go. Already, already making waves. All right, Nora's got to go on the other side of this break. The Danny's return. We're going to talk a little bit more about what this trade means. And then we're going to talk Super Bowl. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and empower what's next. Start today at empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. We want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. All right, Danny Kelly, let's briefly get into the Lions part of this because they're stripping this thing down to parts. That's pretty obvious. Dan Campbell is, and Brad Holmes are going to take a, a longer view on this. When you look at that roster and you look at golf and you look at everything, uh, can you just kind of sketch out a, a path forward for this franchise? I mean, yeah, I think it, it, you can look at golf as probably like a bridge quarterback. If he works out and if he, he turns back into the guy that he was a few years ago, then that's like a huge bonus. But to me, they're, you know, they're getting these first round picks. It helps them build the foundation for what they want to do. This is a sort of a clean break slash clean slate. They can just kind of start, you know, building the, the, the roster, how they want to build it without having to worry about like, you know, making Stafford happy, making, giving them a winner right away. Goff has already talked about how he's, he's just happy to be somewhere where they, where he's wanted and, and, accepted or whatever like that's it, just kind of depressing to see that tweet happen today by the way um but yeah i mean i think they're definitely at a turning point a lot of their veteran guys a lot of their older veteran guys are free agents um and so i think this is a a good time you know for them not only to just get get younger continue to to rebuild the foundation but um to just break away from i guess like you know the the stafford era yeah, no, it, it's it's the Stafford era was an interesting one because I think that Matthew Stafford is, you know, again, we go back to the what if thing. I think there's so many different ways where we're thinking about Matthew Stafford being having played in a Super Bowl, certainly winning playoff games, being in NFC title games or whatever. And I think that that could have happened with, it, you know, going to Dallas, what, six years ago and and losing on a on a strange referee pass interference judgment call um that could have there could have been a pathway there orlovsky says they had the packers number that year they probably could have made the super bowl whatever that that's that's a different conversation but i guess danny kelly the, the question i have right now is if you're to rank quarterbacks matthew stafford is where for you right now in 2021 uh in the entire nfl yes i think that's a good question probably somewhere around like 12 13 like he's not necessarily an elite quarterback, at least in this point of his career, I think he could in this new scheme in, in the Rams scheme. It yes. wouldn't surprise me if he had like a really good season in 2021. But um, I think there's enough evidence in, in his career that he's he's maybe not like the guy that everyone kind of expected him to be coming out of college. But he's still a very good quarterback. Put it that way. Um, there's shades of gray there, and so. I would say, yeah, somewhere probably like top 12-ish. And I think he could certainly still rise. He's only 32 years old, I believe. So it's not like he's necessarily getting near retirement or anything like that. I think he's still got a few good solid years of his prime left over, or at least not maybe not his prime, but um, 
I mean, we saw what Aaron Rodgers was able to do this year, and and, and Tom Brady's going into his forty third year. So, um, I think I think he's still got plenty of good football in him, and in the scheme, who knows? Maybe like he turns into a top five guy. Danny Heifetz, uh, future of quarterback contracts. You know, I saw Bill Barnwell make this point. I thought it was great, and and you s- essentially. And by the way, Barnwell was on this from the very beginning. He basically said that made the case that the the Rams should just cycle through quarterbacks, never give the big money. Um, but now you look at huge extensions going forward for quarterbacks like Jared Goff. I'm not talking about Patrick Mahomes. I'm not talking about Deshaun Watson. I'm talking about the middle tier um, and and what that looks like. Do you think that there's going to be a return to you know in the middle i think andy dalton had that contract that was you know kind of mid-market for a quarterback and then a couple years later anyone who was playing like andy dalton was getting significantly more than that do you think that this golf and wentz kind of nightmare that these teams both these teams are going through is going to say anything about how quarterbacks pay in the future or is that just the cost of doing business now Uh, no it has to change something right i mean we're talking about we just saw the first and the second pick in the draft play pretty well early sign massive deals, and then just not be who the teams thought they were. Now, the Eagles had to fire a coach and bring in a coach basically <laughs> to fix Carson Wentz, which is an unbelievable thing for the second pick. The Rams, you know, just got rid of Goff after they extended him. And both those teams traded up to get those guys. I mean, so as Barnwell pointed out, does it make logical sense for you like, oh, yeah, we have this quarterback on this cheap rookie contract and then we'll give it up and then we'll get another one and we'll find someone cheaper. That makes sense. But the reality is that these are relationships, right? It's kind of like dating someone. It's like when you're with someone, you know, the one, you know, it's like the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. There's no hesitation. But the middle tier of quarterbacks, it's so hard because you want to talk yourself into this person like, yeah, they're the right person. But in reality, it's really hard to be like, oh, yeah, there's other fish in the sea. It's hard for these teams yeah. to be like, oh, yeah, we'll just find another quarterback. It's scary to take the leap and break up and be like, oh, no, will we just be alone forever? You know, it, it's a difficult it's easier said than done. But I think that the Rams had the courage. And I think that's the word. Like, I think the Rams deserve yes. some credit here for being like, yeah, screw it. We made two huge mistakes. Like, well, I don't know if they would say go- drafting golf was a mistake, but they obviously just said that signing him to the extension was a huge mistake. And they kind of got matching tattoos here. It's like Les Need, Sean McVay, and Jared Goff all signed these extensions together, like in the same summer. It's like you go get matching yeah. tattoos, and it's like, oh, like it takes a lot of courage to be like, yeah, you know what? That tattoo was a stupid idea. I wish I didn't have it. What I will say about the extension is that obviously it was a mistake, and that's why you have to attach first round pick to, to get rid of it. What I will say is, first of all, no one has ever successfully in the in this in the cap era just moved on from a quarterback and and without a plan in place to replace them and then thrived after that. Like it's never happened. And there are so many, I I'll tell you there, there are a handful of teams where scouts, you know, this is all third hand have told me that, Oh, you know, we're going to, we're going to draft this quarterback and then we're not going to sign to an extension. We're going to draft another quarterback, right? People have told me that not, I'm not talking about decision makers, but I'm saying there are people who've been associated with teams where the rumor is always, they're going to try that strategy. And then in year three, the player is really good, and guess what they do? They give them a boatload of money. They are year four, or they extend the fifth-year option, or whatever it is. Teams talk about it and don't do it because it is such a bold thing to do. And if you screw up, you and get fired. If yeah, you screw that's up, you get thing. fired. <laughs> Going into the draft of free agency to find a quarterback is a lottery, and I think that, that teams are always glass half full on their quarterbacks, right? Unless it's just a complete disaster, and, and, and they have to move on or cut the guy or whatever, right? Um, you know, Trubisky is is closer to that bucket than the automatic extension bucket, right? And what I'll say about the golf contract is I was talking to the Rams in January of the Super Bowl year, and Jared Goff had just become eligible for an extension, I think, on New Year's Eve uh, that year. And, I, you know, he's starting a Super Bowl, and it seems like the right thing to do. And it seems like it would be incredibly aggressive to let to not talk extension with Jared Goff. And I, what I'm saying is, is that I think there's probably some GMs in some sports who would do that. What I'm saying is in football, nobody wants to be first. Nobody no. wants to be first exactly. because you're on your job is on the line as soon as you do it. And so it's easier said than done. I think I, I mean, I, I cannot, as I said, I cannot a- applaud Barnwell more loudly than I am now for basically calling this and saying this is what they should do. I'm just saying that every team I've ever heard who's thought about doing this has backed off as soon as it becomes 
um, realistic. I think you're right. The best analog for this to me is the Cardinals drafting Kyler Murray. That's another example. You know, they draft Josh Rosen 10th, and then they take Kyler Murray the next year, and that's another example. Just That's never been done. No one had just punted on a quarterback one year later, and if you're going to do it, well, you better be right because you're probably not going to get another job if, in that position if you screw it up. But then you, they punt on Kyler Murray. or Sorry, they punt on Josh Rosen. And now other teams can point to the precedent of, well, the Cardinals did it and it worked. So now more teams have the option. It's the same thing here. I think that to come back to your original question of will this change things? Yes, because there's a precedent now where there wasn't one because Stafford's better than Goff. So unless he loses his talent like a Space Jam, they'll be a better team. And then other teams will point to it. <laughs> uh Danny Kelly, is there a trade right now, now that we know where Stafford is going and the Rams are set of the quarterback, the Lions are set of the quarterback, all that stuff. Is there a quarterback and team matchup marriage that you want to see? Ooh, that's a good question. I still really am curious what is going to happen with Sean Watson. There, you know, this is one of those situations where you have to look at teams that are able to make the trade for Watson nowadays. Now, especially with the context of how much Stafford, the Stafford trade was, obviously there is the Goff contract situation too, but um, it feels to me like, you know, three first rounders is the minimum that you would add, that you'd need to get to get yeah. rid of Watson. And so, um, you know, maybe that means the Jets are like, you have to wonder if the Jets are now the team kind of like the big stack. They have the most leverage. They have the ability yeah. to get other people out of the bidding just because they have more to use. And so, I don't know. I don't necessarily want to see Watson on the Jets, but they seem well positioned to do that if they do want to go that route. Um, I was going to ask you guys this. Why does, why, why does it seem like all these huge blockbuster trades only happen in the NFC West now? Like, is this mean the 49ers have to be the team that go and get Watson? It's like an arms I mean, it, it, it seems to set the bar. By the way, John McClain, uh, who covers the Texans, does a great job, reported that the Rams-Lions trade will have nothing to do with the Watson trade if the, if, if the Texans do it. And McClain basically said the Texans will probably play this out as long as they can. Right. Uh, McClain reports that the Texans will want two ones, two twos, and two young defensive starters at the least. Wow. So... Yeah. McLean said start with the Jets. Um, so we'll, we'll we'll see where that goes. Um, but I also think that there's just still there's a long way to go there. And I don't think a Deshaun Watson trade is imminent. Um, all right. So Danny Heifetz, any other big picture thoughts before we get to the Super Bowl on on this trade and what it means? Well, I think to go back to the Deshaun thing for a second, I think it has to be the Jets because the amount of teams with the list of things you just said who would be willing to give it up, I think is small. And I think that it's the Dolphins and the Jets. And quite frankly, I can't imagine the Texans sending Deshaun to the Dolphins to get their fucking pick back. Sorry to curse, but that one counts. Like, the Watts <laughs> trading away Deshaun to get the picks you got back for the left tackle you traded to protect Deshaun is just the optics are too bad. You can't win that deal no matter what. I think it'll make them look even dumber. So the Jets are the only one left. I really think that that's... It would, sending them to Miami would be astounding. Uh, but the big picture thoughts is I really just think that it, this trade got me excited for 2021. You know, it, All right. It, it's cool to see starting quarterbacks in new teams. I'm excited to see Stafford and McVay. I'm excited to see yeah. Jared Goff either revenge tour or kind of suck in Detroit. I think that it, it, it just kind of got me excited already before the season's <laughs> what even do you think over. It's be? I, I don't, I, I don't, I won't tell you which one I'm favoring, but it's definitely not a revenge <laughs> tour. Uh, yeah. I, I, I'm in agreement with you. I'm excited about this because this is, they, they in theory solve each other's problems, which is McVay was held back by a mediocre quarterback and, Stafford was held back by a mediocre franchise and we don't have that anymore. And there's no more excuses. And we're about to see if they are the people that we think they are. I don't want to step and on Warren something... Sharp's toes, but I foresee a lot of under betting on a uh, shared golf totals in 2021. <laughs> yes. I, I, I'm in agreement with that. Although, you know, listen, I think that, uh, I think that Dan Campbell will be interesting to watch. I think that's the word in his first year. <laughs> Jared Goff, I, week one, blood all over his teeth, biting the kneecaps of opposing defenders. Yep. We didn't know he had it. In him. Yep. All right, let's talk about the Super Bowl here for a second and get off bloody kneecaps, hopefully off of bloody kneecaps. You never know what's happening in the Super Bowl. Um, this is supposed to be the Super Bowl preview pod. Uh, it became the Stafford trade pod instead. Danny Kelly, <laughs> if you're identifying things to look for this week, big picture, you start where? Yeah. The first thing that I want to know is, are the Chiefs going to fall behind again early on in this game? And how is that mm. going to dictate the uh, the flavor of game that we're, we're looking at here? Whether you know, Because like on one hand, I, I am confident in the Chiefs, I'm confident in Mahomes, I'm confident in that offense and, and 
you know, Andy Reid having two weeks to prepare, come out swinging. But at the same time, we've seen it so many times in a row now um, where they kind of get off to these like a little bit slow starts. So and then have to kind of, you know, not claw their way out because it's they have eliminated these leads very easily in almost every case. But I'm just curious to see how this game starts. out. I think the first quarter more, you know, more than ever is going to be an interesting one in the Super Bowl because I think it could, um, you know, dictate how the rest of this game goes. So how do how do the Chiefs play early on is the first thing I'm looking at. Yes. Uh, Danny Heifetz, you think it's going to happen again? Chiefs fall, fall behind early? No, I think they're focused. I think that if your game plan is to hope that you oh, they're focused. Behind, yeah, no, oh, they weren't paying attention. Oh, they yeah, yeah. Oh, we have a game again. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, is that how they approached the last swaps? 18 weeks? But no, I think the key to this game, the more I look into it, I think just how do they cover Travis Kelsey? You know, the first yeah. times these teams mm-hmm. played, Tyree Kill at 203 yards in the first quarter. I know that's not going to happen, but I kind of love just thinking he was on pace for 812 yards or whatever in the game. It's yeah. just, so I. I think that obviously the Bucks aren't going to try the whole covering Tyree kill one-on-one thing again. They're just, that's not going to happen. So I just, but that means that the key is they're going to have to be able to match up with Travis Kelsey and Travis Kelsey. We call him a tight end. He's the league's biggest slot receiver. So it's, you know, like every classic tight end. It's like, oh, well, he's too big to, for a, a defensive back to guard, but he's too fast for a linebacker to cover. The difference is Kelsey's actually like that. And if you can't cover him for 70 snaps, who do you match up with Travis Kelsey? That's how he almost led the league in receiving this year. I think the Bucs are interesting because they have two of the fastest linebackers in the league, Devin, mm. uh, Devin White, Levante David, and they have pretty physical defensive backs throughout that secondary. And I'm almost, almost wondering if they put Carlton Davis, who gave up said 203 yards in that first quarter on Tyreek Hill. I actually think he'd be better against Travis Kelsey in this game. So I think that whatever the Bucs do, whether fast linebackers or physical defensive backs, how they approach Kelsey will be... That, you know, the Chiefs, it's how much of it is you pick your poison. I think that how they pick the poison against Travis Kelsey will unfold all of the Chiefs' options going forward. I think that that's really the whole game. To that end, DK, is there someone on the Bucs defense that you think we should be talking about more in this matchup against the Chiefs' offense in which basically every blade of grass needs to be defended? Where do you you start when we're talking about the Bucs defense? Do we know for sure if Antoine Winfield is going to play or not? I don't. Think I we don't know. think we've seen anything. That's big. I mean, obviously. Yeah, I mean, so that's the first thing that came to my mind is if he can play. He was such a big impact player throughout the season. He he missed he missed the championship game obviously with an injury. So if he can play, that's going to be a big big boost for them. Um, but I I go back to what Heifetz mentioned with the linebacker group. Man, I just think, you know, if any team feels on paper built to stop a guy like Kelsey, it is it is this Buccaneers team because they have two of the best are two of the most versatile, fastest linebackers in the game. Levante David has been all pro like every year, and he's one of the most un- underrated players in the NFL, I feel like. He's just so good every single year, and yet we don't really talk about him all that much. Devin White, you know, top 10 pick or whatever he was, he's just explosive, flies around, makes so many plays in the middle of the field. So they have that that second level, you know, those those two guys that can just kind of shut down the second level. So I think that's going to be such an interesting chess match to watch, um, you know, from a, from a, from just like a schematic point of view. I think the Chiefs can beat you in so many different ways that it might not matter. And that's why I'm confident in the Chiefs. That's why I'm picking the Chiefs. But I think that's going to be a big matchup to watch is how how that intermediate passing game goes with those guys kind of ranging around. You want a Levante David stat? Yeah. Here are the players who had 1,000 tackles, 20 sacks, and 10 interceptions in their first eight seasons. Ray Lewis and Levante David. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. That he, is the list. He's literally, like, every, all these players get most underrated player. Levante David is actually the most underrated player is. in football. He actually is, because he's been good for, like, seven years. He was on, like, a Grantland underrated players list, like, six years ago. Yeah. He's awesome. He To I, me, David is the, the personification of football instincts the dude just knows where the play is going to go every time um it's almost like keekly uh keekly like keekly-esque in, in the sense that he's just always on top of it he does he's not like especially big or especially explosive necessarily as an athlete like he's a good athlete but he's not special athlete he just has instincts like crazy he always knows where the play is going to be so i love levante david he, go, going back to you know his early early days i always thought he was going to be much better than um people thought and he, he he's on track to be a future Hall of Famer. Kevin, can I, uh, I ask you a question? Well, I just want to say briefly that I 
I've talked about this a couple weeks ago with Jeremy Fowler on his podcast, but Levante David played against my high school in the state championship game in 2007, <laughs> and it did really? not. It did not go that well for old Boone High School in Orlando. Uh, <laughs> That's interesting. Danny Heifetz. Oh, I was going to ask you. you I mean, say, you're the one who always says, you know, obviously the narrative around Brady in the playoffs is you got to beat him in the four-man rush, and you have explained over and over that, yeah. well, yeah. anyone loses with a four-man rush. Why didn't I think about that? Exactly. It's like the it's fact like that- It's like we were talking about Bryson DeChambeau, the golfer, and Mark Titus is so funny. He said, he was like, oh man, until Bryson DeChambeau started doing it, I never thought to hit the piss out of the golf ball. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. It's like every time the Giants beat the Patriots, it would always be like- the Giants showed you the blueprint. Get home with four men. Oh, really? Because I'm pretty sure everybody's been trying that for all time since football was invented. But congratulations <laughs> well, to the Giants for finally breaking through on that one. It's so true. But the irony now is I feel like it's been flipped because now Brady's going against Mahomes. And I feel like that's the real key for the Bucks, other than what I said about tra- covering Kelsey is can they get to Mahomes with a four man rush? Because the Bucks, you know, they blitz a lot with Todd Bowles, but they have this defensive line that's really talented. Jason Pierre Paul's playing great. Uh, Shaq Barrett's playing great. And the Chiefs offensive line's really banged up. And the irony now to me is, will Brady cap the seventh Super Bowl because his defense getting a four minutes rush? It would be kind of like a funny bow tie in the whole thing. Not a bow, just a bow, not a bow tie. Yeah, that right. you just said it though. That pass rush versus the offensive line, the banged up offensive line is is really crucial too. I can't believe um, we didn't mention that before. Because yeah, that that's just a huge handicap for the Chiefs is, is having those two offensive linemen out how are they going to have to change things? Are they going to have to get the ball out much quicker? Are they going to lean on like, you know, their running backs in the passing game a little bit more or whatever? That's another really good, you know, um, chess match type thing to watch early on. All right. We're going to have a ton of Super Bowl coverage this week on this feed. A lot of good player interviews. Uh, just a lot of cool analysis. These guys will be on the Ringer Fantasy Football Show twice this week, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, Ringer Fantasy Football. They're going to be hopping on with me uh, to do some player interviews as well. It's going to be really fun. DK and I are, dra- are interviewing a hot draft prospect on Wednesday. Yeah, are we allowed to say it or is it a secret? Let's not. I don't. I don't like to say anything until people are in, in the chair talking to us. That's fair. That's fair. It's I'm like be Belichick. No, no yeah. competitive advantages. We got some good stuff coming this week, um, both in podcast form, video, and print. Uh, so go to theringer.com, uh, stick with us here on this audio feed, and watch us on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, wherever videos are. It's been the Ringer NFL Show on the Ringer Podcast Network.